were constantly bombarded by ads offering low interest rates for mortgages. And when buying a home, those rates can affect your sleep. It just does. You get a good one, and you sleep like a baby. You get a bad one, and you're up at night wondering, worrying, if you could have got a better one. Mortgages can be as important as the purchase price of a home. They can be the difference between being house poor and having some extra money to spend on other things. There's a lot more to a mortgage than a rate. And if you're not aware of all of the ins and outs, it could cost you tens of thousands of dollars. So today I'm going to speak to a mortgage expert who will tell you everything you need to know when shopping for a mortgage. I'm Desmond Brown, and this is Sold in the Six. Jason Georgopoulos is my go-to guy for mortgages. I've sent him dozens of clients. He's a mortgage agent with Dominion Lending Centers, and I'm so happy to have him join me today. So Jason, let's get right into it. Why should someone use a mortgage agent like you instead of going to their banks? Well, the first thing that we we do, obviously, is uh, we have a fiduciary duty to the client to look out for their best interests. Um, that involves obviously finding them a competitive mortgage interest rate but more than that it's educating the client on the potential pitfalls out there all mortgages aren't created equal um there's a lot of um i would you know i i hate to use the term fine print but it's the truth there's a lot of fine print in mortgages they can negatively affect customers and their specific lender if they deal with them directly is under no obligation to make them aware of that other than um, them going through the pages and pages and pages of mortgage documents that uh, they usually only provide to your lawyer. So uh, my job is to look out for clients, advise them, as well as shop around on their behalf. Great. So you have access to like 30 or 40 lenders. That's right. We use about uh, 30 to 40 different lenders. Uh, for your standard clients, a business, we're probably looking at 10 or 12 different lenders that we're, we're shopping around. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, depending on your situation, we have that we have private money, we have alternate lenders, uh, credit unions, trust companies, whatever it makes sense for, for that particular client. Great. And you even deal with uh, a couple of the major banks. Uh, absolutely. We, uh, the, um, our biggest, the lender that we used last year was, was Scotiabank actually. And, um, a lot of the times we, uh, can even help negotiate with your own bank, uh, a better rate. So there's no need to actually leave your own bank, but to make sure that you're getting the advice that they might, might not necessarily provide you if you were to approach them directly. Now you, you had mentioned the fine print and fine print. I think we'll get into that a little bit later, but that's you know, or those are things like uh, the portability of a mortgage, the discharge fees, et cetera, right? So we'll talk about that a little bit later, Jason. For sure. Uh, so now let's get into the first thing somebody should do if they're going out to shop for a home, and that's pre-qualification. And whether it's your first house, your 10th house, or an investment property, it's something that's very, very important, isn't it? Before you start getting out there and seeing what's available in the market, I think it's a good idea to understand your own financial situation and what it is you qualify for and what those monthly payments are going to look like. Um, a lot of people make the common mistake of thinking that because they were pre-approved sometime in the past that things will look similar, um, you know, whether that was six months ago, two years ago, five years ago, or 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. What they don't realize is that the banks are constantly revamping their credit risk guidelines. And what's, if someone, what was true six months ago might not be true even today. Um, at the same time, they also 
you have to keep aware that interest rates are always changing and monthly payments are changing. Um, if you're budgeting based on figures from a year ago, uh, you, you'll find yourself in a vastly different landscape right now. And you, you're going to need that in, in this market uh, to know, you know exactly what your monthly payments are because it's competitive out there. Okay. And how long will the pre-qualification last? How many months? Depending on the lender, it's usually three to four months. And it's so important for a real estate agent like me to have my clients pre-qualified because in this market in Toronto, we have a lot of multiple offer situations. We're competing a lot. And it's good to be able to go in with a firm offer with no conditions, especially no condition on financing to have a shot at buying this property. Now, I remember I was dealing with a client a couple of years ago and we were in the middle of a multiple offer, Jason, and um, we were sent back to improve ourselves, to come up higher in price. And we weren't sure whether we were going to be able to. So you answered your phone in the middle of that. Do you remember when I called you about that one? Absolutely. It's uh, a service I'm happy to provide because the speed of real estate is moving quicker than ever and you need real time uh, advice, feedback. You need to know whether that extra 10 or 20,000 is possible to win out on that offer. You also need to know the ramifications of, of increasing your offer uh, in terms of cost, but in terms of is it still safe to go in that uh, on this particular property unconditionally. Yeah. Um, we don't, the last thing you want to know is, you know, once all is said and done and you're celebrating winning the property, that financing is now going to be an issue. So we do our very best to avoid that by one, looking at the properties beforehand, but two, being available as you need it. Uh, setting up an appointment with your branch three weeks from now isn't going to help you in a heated multiple offer situation. No, not at all. Yeah. And we got that property. We actually won that multiple bid that night. So thanks very much for that, Jace. Okay, rates. We see ads all the time, 1.5%. That's a little bit misleading, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, it's probably been about four or five years now that um, the banks have gone to more of a matrix in terms of figuring out what type of rate you get. Um, there's a variety of different factors that affect the rate that you get. Uh, one, your own ability to negotiate is, is, is very important, but um, I'll list a few. Uh, the down payment that you end up putting down, the price of the house, is it over a million or under a million? That matters now. Whether you're opting for a 25-year or 30-year amortization, the amount you borrow, uh, your credit, of course, comes into it. Um, your existing relationship with that lender, but uh, not not the way you might think. I actually have a, an interesting story on that. Um, before we get to that, also the closing date. If you can close quicker, uh, the banks don't have to hedge the money for as long, and sometimes they could pass on some of that savings to you. So let's let's take a look at this. You know this rate that's posted that you see on these ads all the time. Okay, so let's take a look at this 1.5 percent. I actually had another mortgage agent today send me an email saying, you know, I can get your clients in for 1.5 percent, but let's talk about who really gets this 1.5 percent. And you you mentioned the um, if whether the property is a million dollars or more because that's a key on this one as well. Absolutely. So a rate as low as that uh, on, a, on a fixed rate, again, it, it depends also whether it's fixed or variable, um, would only be able uh, available on a high ratio insured mortgage. This is a mortgage where you have less than 20% down that's insured by the government of Canada. Um, so there, that has to meet their criteria. Their main criteria being that the mortgage is, uh, the property value is under a million dollars. Yep. You take a 25 year 
amortization. Um, and that, of course, you pay that insurance premium, which can be quite large. Uh, on a $750,000 to $800,000 purchase, you're probably looking at twenty dollars to $25,000 in insurance premium. So though you're getting a, a very, very competitive interest rate, uh, that comes hand in hand with adding $20,000 to your mortgage, uh, which obviously, you know, you, you, you might want, be happy to pay a, a few point, uh, you know, basis points higher to avoid that premium. Yeah, because it's really not a lot on the monthly payment, you know, when you're you're looking at a few basis points higher. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Variables. We hear this all the time. Get the variable rate. Variable rate. Explain that. So the main uh, split in mortgages that we have in Canada are, are variable and fixed. And it, it is what it sounds like. One, the, the rate can change as the bank, uh, the Bank of Canada changes their rates, and the other is fixed for a certain set of time. Uh, the five-year fixed rate is by far the most popular rate that we have with about four out of five people uh, opting for that. Um, there was a study done by a professor at York University, um, Moishe Maleski, and uh, most mortgage brokers refer to this. And it actually, it showed that about 80, I believe the number is 85%, 85% of the time, if you just threw a dart at a calendar for the last 20 or 30 years, you were better off going with a variable rate. Um, People know this, and yet they still opt for the fixed rate, where Canadians are very conservative. Yeah, we are. Um, we try not to make the decision for clients. It's it's very much a personal decision. We just want to let the clients know the pros and cons of the various choices um, so that they're making an informed decision. Um, even knowing that 80% of the time um, you're, you're going to be better off or 85% of the time you're going to be better off with a variable rate, if it's something that's going to keep you up at night, worrying about what you know what your mortgage payment is going to be in the next six months or, or a year from now uh, that's probably not the best choice for you yeah exactly at the same time there's there's other attributes that those mortgages have the main one being the penalties to exit them that change that change uh, that can change your decision quite a bit the the fixed rates in general have much higher penalties to exit depending on uh, how long into your term you are Okay, we'll talk about penalties in a second. But again, just get back on the variable now. So for example, what is the variable rate today? Uh, variable rates today probably range from around 1.4% to about 1.8% on a standard A deal, uh, depending on those various factors that I mentioned. Where you fall into that is is kind of case by case. Just to explain to people out there who may not be familiar with what variable means, what does it mean? Uh, the Bank of Canada meets about six times a year to determine the prime rate, which affects the bank prime rate, what uh, your, your Scotia banks, your RBCs, your TDs, and all the different lenders are going to be using to calculate your variable rate. So the variable rate, you don't get uh, an, an interest rate, you get a rate in relation to the prime rate. So it's very common that you would get, for example, prime minus 0.75. So if today's prime rate is 2.45%, you would always get 0.75 below that, which would be a rate today of 1.7%. But the bank, again, the Bank of Canada is meeting six times a year to determine what if that prime rate will stay at 2.45. And here's an interesting fact. Your bank is under no obligation to actually change their prime rate, even when the Bank of Canada changes their rate. Everyone assumes that they have to follow suit, but there's been a few times when the Bank of Canada's in recession have, have dropped rates and the bigger banks have said, you know what? Yeah, we're not gonna be passing this one on to the clients. 
So it's something to think about that you're not necessarily going to get every drop, though I haven't seen them pass up on too many opportunities to raise that rate. Yeah, <laughs> not at all. Um, so we're, we're watching the variable rate and we're seeing it go down, which is great because we benefit. However, let's talk about the option that a mortgage holder has when he's, he or she sees the rate going up. And that's the locking in. The uh, the variable rate, a major advantage of it is your ability to lock in. And the terms to lock in would be different, but depending on your different lenders. But for the most part, you can lock into a, a fixed rate, whether it be for your remaining term. Let's say if you have three years left, you can lock into a three-year and up, uh, or some allow you just to lock into a five-year fixed rate. But that gives you the added uh, reassurance that if you do see things starting to creep up, that uh, you can go into a fixed rate. Now, Something to keep in mind, though, is by the time you start to see your variable rate go up, the chances are those fixed rates that you're locking in at have also moved up. So you're not going to be locking into as a, rate, a rate as low as when you first got the variable rate. Okay. So, Jason, portability. I deal with a lot of people who are selling their existing home and they say, when we buy our next house, we want to take our mortgage with us. We have portability on our mortgage, but it's not the mortgage that is actual portable, it's the terms. Correct. Uh, the mortgage legally will always be discharged off one property and re-registered on the new property. And effectively it's a new mortgage that's being registered, but the terms of the mortgage are what count. Um, what clients have to be very careful of is um, most mortgages that you would get at a traditional institution are portable, but the terms of that portability uh, vary significantly. Uh, some will allow you to add new funds because usually when you're porting the mortgage over, you're, you're borrowing a little bit more and you're kind of upsizing the home. Uh, others won't. Um, uh, others will make you match up the closing dates, which sometimes is very, very difficult to do, where others will give you a leeway of a few months um, case you have to sell uh, and then you know wait a few weeks for the new house to be ready or or vice versa so even though most mortgages are portable we find only about 10 to 20 percent of them actually do get ported from one property to another and again that brings up the penalties when you when you have to break a term and you're taking a new term um, those penalties start rearing their ugly heads okay the fine print that we talked about earlier that you mentioned earlier mm -hmm. Let's talk about those type of penalties. Either, I mean, the, the general penalties that I'm aware of are either three-month interest penalty or an interest differential. So let's let's uh, explain that a little bit, Jason. Sure. Uh, the, the, the running joke in mortgages is that they all, banks will always tell you it's a three-month penalty and then just interest rate differential. Um, so everyone just remembers the three-month three month interest penalty and they don't think about the interest rate differential. Um, and a lot of that has to do with psychology as well. When you're getting a mortgage, the last thing you're doing uh, is thinking about breaking it. That's the last thing on your mind. Um, but it's significant. Um, most people would think that the big banks probably would be somewhere in the middle in terms of uh, the, the fairness or reasonability of their penalties. But actually, on the fixed rate mortgages, our big banks, and you know, that's not saying one is better than the other, uh, have some of the worst penalties in Canada. So these are your your big six. Um, and, and that surprises a lot of people. And sadly, it's it's way too late when you're finding out about the penalty to do anything about it, because it's in a contract that you signed many, many years prior. Mm -hmm. Now, have you dealt with anybody recently who's had to pay a big penalty? Almost every day. Um, 
I have two uh, examples that I can give you right now on different size mortgages. And I think you'll see that um, when I tell you the numbers that uh, how important it is to kind of keep this in mind when you're looking at your mortgage. Uh, the first client came to me last week, uh, their mortgage, they have about $469,000 outstanding and they're playing a rate of 2.84, which, which isn't bad, you know, uh, obviously rates are at, you know, historical lows right now, but uh, a year ago, a year and a half ago, 284 was a very, very competitive interest rate. Um, so they have about three years and nine months left on their mortgage. And had they paid three months interest, their penalty would be, let me just check my notes here, uh, just over $6,000. Um, yeah, uh, but in fact, it's an interest it rate. It gets worse. Yeah, it's much worse. <laughs> their interest rate differential is $23,839, which is actually equal to over 5% of the balance on that mortgage. A number of years ago, back when I was a journalist, my wife Alice and I owned this house in Riverdale. We sold it for a tidy profit, but when we discharged the mortgage, it cost us $20,000. We sure learned a lesson there to read the fine print. Okay, so that's what we had talked about um, where you come in to explain all of this fine print and make people aware that, look, if you're thinking of breaking this mortgage earlier, um, selling your house, getting another one, and again, breaking this mortgage, mm -hmm. these are some of the penalties that you're going to have to pay. Absolutely. Uh, we The client has to be aware of that. And again, the lender is under no obligation to make them aware of it. Why would you, if you're selling something, make someone aware about the negative features about it? Mm -hmm. um, but in this particular instance, no matter how hard these people shopped around for an interest rate, they, you know, even though they're paying an interest rate of 284, because they're paying a penalty that high, it's like they got an interest rate of 384 on their mortgage. And if you consider that they're only actually took advantage of this money for about a year and a half before they'll pay the penalty, it's as if they're paying over 5% uh, for those, for the, for the, for the money that they borrowed, because that penalty is uh, strung over a year and a half term. So, you know, a lot of times people are are concerned with the the point zero zero three or the you know the point one percent on a mortgage when other factors like this fine print can even double the cost of the money uh it, you know if not uh, add significantly to it wow that's incredible and of course the different lenders have different policies when it comes to interest deferential and for a mortgage uh or, or sorry for interest um uh, th three months interest penalties, correct? That's right. The, everybody's different. And again, you have to make sure that you're you're understanding it. Um, the the big banks, again, I said that, that they're some of the worst. Um, right now, for example, uh, a big bank, you should be able to get a five-year mortgage uh, at, at any of the, the big banks right now for a, a rate of, say, 1.99%. Um, but when it comes time to break that mortgage, the bank doesn't look at your mortgage is breaking a term of 1.99%. They look at what's called the posted rates and the, the bank's five-year posted rate today is 4.79%. So they don't say uh, you're, you're breaking a mortgage of 1.99%. They say you're breaking a mortgage of 4.79% that we gave you a very, very large discount on. Oh. And then they charge you that cost. That's, that's kind of paraphrasing how they 
they calculate the penalties. But that's why some of these big, big numbers can be generated. Basically, the discount that they gave you to start, even though it's just a, a competitive offer right now, not really much of a discount, uh, they consider it a large discount. And then they build that number back in when they're charging you the penalties. Mm -hmm. So they're using artificial numbers to, to create the penalties. But it's all in the documents that you signed when you first took that mortgage. Yep. Surprise, surprise. Mm -hmm. It's all there. With COVID, people have been staying home a lot, saving a lot of money. And that's where I want to start getting into prepayment privileges and how important it is, if you do have the money, to take advantage of those prepayments. Now, back in the old days, when the old open mortgages, um, you could pay off as much principal as you wanted. But again, the, the major lenders protect themselves and they only let you pay off a certain amount of principal uh, each month or each year. So talk about those prepayment privileges. And if somebody's sitting on a whack of bread right now uh, because they haven't had anywhere to go and spend it, what's the best way to go about it? Um, most banks have a prepayment option. Uh, very few are fully closed in terms of not being able to put the money down. But as you said, they are limited, uh, usually between 10 and 20% of your original balance. Um, if you have money that's sitting there not um, you know, working for you or invested, absolutely, it's a great idea to pay down your mortgage. Um, there's no tricks into paying down your mortgage quicker. It's simply putting more money towards it. A lot of people think that, you know, if I pay weekly versus if I pay monthly or, you know, if I refinance after a certain time, all these uh, different things are going to help you pay down. But the, the truth of the matter is there's only one way to pay off your mortgage quicker, and that's putting more towards the principal and knocking that uh, that down. That does two things for you. Obviously, it reduces the amount that you owe, but the amount of interest uh, that you owe going down the road is less and less as well. So by doing that, um, you know, you really knock years off your mortgage and, and even a small amount um, um, at, at the beginning of your mortgage can knock years off it. Mm -hmm. Accelerating your payments, which really is, is just a fancy way of saying making 13 months payments over a 12 month period of time, that'll drop your amortization immediately from uh, 30 years to about 27 years, 26 and a half, you know, so we're talking about, you know, over the life of a mortgage, a lot of money um, just by making that, that one extra payment a year. Um, and it's something that, you know, most people can do and they don't really feel it. Um, especially if you're, you're kind of paying biweekly because it just means twice a year, there's going to be three biweekly payments that come out rather than the regular two. Mm -hmm. So do it if you can. Absolutely. Absolutely. Interest rates are, are low right now. So it's, it's, we always ask clients, you know, uh, is it, it's a trade off in terms of investing, um, that money, but a lot of people, the money just sits there. And if it's sitting in your checking account earning 0%, you know, why be paying interest on your mortgage when you can put it towards it? Absolutely. Do it if you can. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I'm sitting here watching television last night and, um, I see these guys come on offering second mortgages. These guys on TV offering second mortgages. Talk a little bit about these guys. Um, the, the, you know, I don't, I, I hate to use the term predatory lending, but uh, it, it can be very, very uh, costly out there to kind of look at these um, ads. In general, second mortgages are your lending of last resort, meaning that, you know, money's not available to you through credit cards anymore or, or credit lines, but it will be available secured to your home. Um, and it's quite easy because these lenders do have the equity in your home that if you ever uh, should default, they can go power of sale. Um, but 
the interest rates can be quite high, especially considering uh, compared to standard first mortgage rates. Um, but again, the fine print on those mortgages in terms of setup fees and exit fees can be high as well. So though the, can they ever? Yeah. So though they can be easy to obtain and they can be fairly quickly obtained, um, you know, you really got to make sure that you, you're you're reading over things, uh, you know, quite quite a bit, and that you've explored other options because really it should be your lending of last resort. Yeah, but a lot of people don't read the stuff. Um, I'll tell you about uh, single mom I was representing, and she called me in, and we had a condo to sell, or she had a condo to sell. Um, got all of the uh, information before we listed the property. She had the first mortgage and the second mortgage. And the second mortgage was at a huge rate. Anyway, by the time we sold her property, she lost money. She had nothing left in, in this market. And it was really, really sad. She had to go and rent afterwards, but she had a second mortgage that had a huge rate. And like you said, the exit fee was huge. And by the time you know, the dust settled. Uh, this poor woman had nothing. It actually cost her. She had to dip into her pocket to pay for the closing. And that was really, really sad. And then she's now, like I said, she's renting now. So please be careful out there. I wish that was a rare story, Des. Um, we see it all the time. And it's it's important that you deal with people that you trust that kind of have your best interests in mind. Um, unfortunately, when it comes to, you know, borrowing money and, and, and you're in a bit of a desperate situation, there's a lot of sharks out there that will, will take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the answer that I have to give clients and, um, you know, obviously it's, it's, it's difficult to, and people don't want to hear it is that you're better off selling than continuing to borrow because by continuing to borrow, you're prolonging the inevitable and you're just eating away at the, the small amount of equity that you do have. Yeah. Um, that client of yours, you know, might've been better off selling uh, a year or two before um, and, and still having that money rather than just giving it to second mortgage uh, lenders in terms of interest, high interest rates and penalties. Yeah, I know what you mean, but you know, there's a lot of pride with owning the home and you don't want to, come across like you failed with your home, that you've lost your home. Oh, absolutely. And uh, yeah, and it's, it's really too bad that um, this situation went down that path. We hear the term foreclosures a lot in the United States. We don't run into them a lot here in Canada, very, very rarely. But what we do run into, and when you just previously mentioned, it's power of sales. And uh, I mean, I can explain it, but, but well, I'll let you explain what a power of sale is. Sure. Um, when you default on your mortgage or don't meet the terms um, that you've set out with that lender, their immediate remedy is a power of sale proceedings, basically saying that uh, you've um, you've defaulted on your obligations and they ask permission for the court to sell your property to recoup um, their money that they lent you, as well as interests and fees and, and, and that type of thing. Um, it You do have to go through the court. It's not a rubber stamp. They can't immediately... Uh, um, put up a for sale sign. Um, but for the most part, if everything's in order, the court will grant uh, them power of sale. Um, now, it uh, the difference between foreclosure is they do not own your property. They, they have permission to sell it to recoup the money that you owe them. However, they do not own the property. If you have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in equity in your property, even under a power of sale proceeding, um, once they're paid back and, and all the lenders and the secured lenders and their fees are paid back, they have to give you um, the, the remainder. They also have to follow certain rules so they can't just sell it to a friend of theirs 
at under market value. Um, you know, and these are a lot, these rules were a long time company, you know, 30, 40 years ago, a lot of that happened. The banks had their lists. And uh, if you had the inside track, you could pick up a power of sale property. But now there's a lot, it's a lot more, there's a lot more regulation around it. However, it's the last thing you want to do as a borrower, uh, be in a position of power of sale, because uh, you know, I've seen terms being for every day that the the property is under a power of sale. There's a two hundred dollar fee that's being charged in addition to uh, your high interest rates, your legal fees, etc. So you'll find even large amounts of equity can get eaten up fairly quickly under a power of sale proceeding. So it's obviously something you want to avoid. Okay, and for buyers who have had the opportunity of picking up a power of sale property there's still one condition that they have to be aware of. And that's that right up until the day of closing, the person who was in default has the right to remedy. Absolutely. So if for some reason they win the lottery, um, the person who has bought that power of sale at the bargain price may not actually get it because the the first people had a chance to remedy and would remedy it, but that doesn't happen very often at all. I've never seen it happen, but it's just something that we have to explain to people. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. You know, we, we've, it, it's tough because it's something you're buying a property. So it, it's, you know, I, it's hard to get the moving truck filled up when you know that right up until that last day, they can come up with the money. But usually um, it's not the case, as you mentioned, you know, usually uh, if somebody could have come up with the money, they would have, and they're not waiting till the 11th hour because they do have to come up with the money plus all the fees and back interest, uh, not just the principal amount. So it's rare that we do see that happen. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I'm just going to touch on this last area here before we uh, wrap up. Refinancing your own home. Your mortgage is coming due. What's the best thing to do? Go back to your lender, shop around. What do you think? Well, I would absolutely say shop around. And I can tell you uh, a story. One of the, the factors that I mentioned in, in uh, factors that affect your mortgage rate was your existing relationship with the bank. And um, clients think of this, they, they take this, it's, it's not what you think. Um, most people think that I've been with a bank for 20 years or 30 years, I'm going to get preferred interest rates. Mm -hmm. In fact, those are the clients that the banks have the biggest profit margins are because they know they won't shop and they know how loyal they've been over time. Um, if we have a minute, I can tell you a quick story. I, uh, I started a mortgage company for a well-known property developer uh, about 10 years ago. And um, we were doing very, very well. And But I noticed that he would constantly be getting, because he owned uh, about 30 or 40 different uh, properties around, around the city. And he would be constantly getting these renewal notices on the mortgages. And I said, hey, it's our company. We're, we're doing great work here with our clients, but why haven't you given the opportunity for, for me to shop around on your behalf for all your mortgages? <laughs> and he said, I am such a good customer of the Royal Bank of Canada uh, that they wouldn't dare give me anything higher than the absolute best that they could give. <laughs> and I said, I wouldn't be so sure of that. So we, we did a blind test where I put my best rate in an envelope mm -hmm. and uh, we opened up one of the renewal letters uh, at that time. And his rate that the bank was offering was 2% higher than the rate that I could offer. Oh boy. And he was just floored because over those 40 properties and the millions and millions of dollars in mortgages, that 2% was hundreds of thousands of dollars. And he had just been blindly signing these, um, 
renewals, um, thinking that because he was such a loyal customer and, and had been there so much t- so long and had so much business with them, that they would obviously be giving him the best rates. And the opposite was true. So absolutely shop around, um, you know, look at a mortgage professional to kind of do that for you because they'll know the different nuances, the difference, you know, just like anything, mortgages go on sale. There's specials that we can take advantage of. Um, If anything, if you do want to renew with your existing lender, it'll keep them honest. You'll know what rates that they can offer and see, and then you can make a decision. A lot of the time, um, you'll make a decision by saying, I know that I can get lower, but for convenience, I'll choose to stay where I am. And that's perfectly understandable, but you really should know what you're getting into and not go into anything blindly. Okay, Jason, fantastic information about mortgages today. It's so great to have you. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure, Des. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. And... I just want to make a special announcement that... I'm welcoming Jason aboard as the newest member of the Sold in the Six family. Jason is now sponsoring Sold in the Six, and we're looking forward to having him contribute in episodes in the future. So thanks very much, Jason. We're really, really happy to have you. Looking forward to it. Great. Thanks a lot. And we'll be in touch soon. And if you want to get a mortgage, you can get in touch with Jason by email at jasong at dominionlending.ca. We're not going to give you his last name, Georgeopolis, okay? Jason G at dominionlending.ca. And that's our latest episode of Sold in the Sixth. And I'd like to thank my producer's podcast that pop. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe to Sold in the Sixth and you'll start receiving new episodes automatically. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram. My handle is DezInTheSix. That's six spelt with the number six, I-X. You know, the cool way. And I also have a website. Check that out. It's InTheSixRealEstate.com. If you have a story idea or just want to get in touch with me, feel free to email me at Des at DesmondBrown.ca. I'm Desmond Brown. Until next time.